0: Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of
1: woodworking.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm Guy from Guy's Woodshop, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Hui Huen, also known as the Alabama Woodworker.
1: Good evening, Guy. How are you?
0: Good, good. So this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. And we also have a Patreon account, and right now we have one level, and we're simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. So please go to patreon.com slash life and stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our shops. So, Hui, what's your first question?
1: All right, so this is back to Arnt's Construction. And uh, Arnt's Construction had uh, posted a couple of questions that we've already answered, but this one was sort of a, a, a quick one at the end. One more quick question. I'm working on getting into proper joinery. Is a nice handsaw worth investing in, or is there a more affordable option I can go with? I do mostly custom trim work, but getting into more furniture-grade work, so it's not something I will be using all day, every day. So there are a couple of inexpensive... Well, first off, the Japanese pull saws are great saws, and I think they're great for beginners to get into... Uh, hand tool work and hand joinery, if that's what you're into, uh, I did have the Veritas handsaws, dovetail saw, and the tenon saw. I did not particularly care for them. In fact, actually, I donated them to uh, uh, a local makerspace uh, once I found a handsaw that I liked more. Now you can go really, really nuanced, custom, high-end, expensive handsaws. I mean. I think Bearcat handsaws one. Um, I think Bad Axe is another. Lee, Lee Nielsen makes some really nice handsaws, although they're, they tend to be a little bit more on the affordable side. But even those handsaws are going 100 to be hundred to one hundred and fifty bucks. Those Japanese pull saws are, I think, less than thirty. They're about they're about thirty
0: they're about 30, thirty to forty dollars. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thirty to forty dollars, and they keep an edge for a really really long time. The kerf is super small on them. Uh, so even if you are, even if you get really close to the line, the likelihood that you're really screwing up, uh, too bad is, is pretty, pretty slim. Uh, I think that's, that's the way I went first was with the Japanese pole saw and I did everything. I mean, I cut tenons with it by hand. I cut, uh, uh dovetails. I've cut, uh, Box joints, all different types of things by hand with them uh, what are your thoughts on this? and I know you have a couple of uh I guess what you would call European saws the the push saws the what are they called European style no, they're uh, called western style excuse me western, western style. style yeah western style push saw and i've Japanese i've paper. got
0: I've got one of the veritas dovetail saws. But I've also got two Japanese pull saws, mm-hmm. one for ripping and one for cross-cutting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if I agree with, you know, they're good beginner saws. That may be true to a point. I think they're just good saws, period. Yeah, fair. For, for 30 to $40, you know, and you're talking some of these, these custom, you know, you're talking like a uh, uh, a bearcat wood, or uh, which are really really nice saws, um, or uh, uh, what's the other bad axe wood works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're just so expensive, they and really unless are. you're unless you're really into it, and that's really what you want to do, I don't see the need to spend that kind of money. Right, I'm, right. and I'm not disparaging those saws or obviously the people that use them it's just not for me yeah um and i i really think the 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 japanese saws do a really good job and they're very inexpensive and when they get dull you can just toss them out yeah, toss out the
1: it. blade, get a replacement blade, or just buy a whole just new saw. Just buy a whole new saw. <laughs> yeah, I think I think a replacement blade is like twenty to twenty five bucks worth, whereas like just buying a new saw is like thirty to thirty-five dollars.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. But like I said, you know, unless you're really into it, I mean, unless you're really one of these die hard, I gotta do everything by hand people, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. I still like to use the I, I I can hand cut dovetails, I can do all that stuff. I just don't do it that often. Right. So right. I don't I don't see the point for me anyways of having one of those. Like, what kind of saw did you end up with?
1: Oh gosh. I have like two Bearcat cat saws and I've got like two Did you get a Cosman? No, no. I I've tried the Cosmin. I didn't like it. I felt like it was a little too heavy on the front end for me. It kind of weird. I I just, I just found it too heavy and I didn't like, I didn't particularly care for that. Whatever that synthetic handle is. It's sort of like, um, uh, epoxy impregnated wood or something like that. Something
0: something weird.
1: Yeah. They're cutting wise. It's great. But you know, if, if I didn't have, if I didn't have the, uh, Bearcat saws or the Bad Axe saws. I've tried the Lee Nielsen's and I I really like those and I think those range somewhere around 100 to 150. I, I might be incorrect on yeah. that. They might have gone up. I mean, it's been a while since I've looked at them. Let's just say I'm not getting any hand saws anytime soon because I got plenty of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I, I'm right there with you. Like the Me getting the Bad Axe and the Bearcat saws are, are pure splurges. It's pure, purely yeah, no, a want. No,
0: no kidding.
1: Need. Yeah, purely a want, <laughs> not a need. Um, yeah. But I love them, and I like using them, and they're they're really pretty.
0: I have a, a Bearcat woodworking veneer saw.
1: Yeah, I got one of those too.
0: <laughs> That's just it's it's almost a religious thing using it. It's so yeah, good. yeah, it's so
1: nice. And, and I think good you're good. right in, in terms of what that experience is. It, it's, it, it brings a sense of euphoria when you use it. And does it make your dovetails or your cutting that much better? Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it certainly does not.
1: I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I could do all the hand-cut joinery that I do with my Japanese pull saw. And the one that I've had for like ages, by the way, those, the edges on those things last forever. Like it, I've never replaced the blade on it and I've used it quite a bit. I I I
0: do have a a
1: Veritas Mm -hmm.
0: dovetail saw and it's fine. I just, I just prefer the Japanese saw and I can just toss it around and you know, it's, it's just very easy to use for me.
1: Yeah. Those Veritas uh, composite backs are very affordable too. I think they yeah. they, they average somewhere like, around sixty to they're 70, like 60 dollars seventy dollars.
0: are like sixty to seventy dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there, I, I think there's a little bit more to the construction of a you know Western backsaw as opposed to the Japanese saws, and you know those Japanese saws are just uh, significantly less expensive. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Hopefully that helps, Arntz.
0: All right. And uh, I've got the next question. This comes from John. Mm-hmm. And it says, hello, Guy, Hui, and Brian. Well, Brian's not here. So it says, loving the content. You guys are dishing out. Keep up the good work. He says, I have my sights set on a jointer in the near future as I would like to save time and energy squaring lumber. My preference up until now has generally been to buy new tools and the thought of refurbishing or repairing anything used has not appealed to me. However, the cost difference between a new or a used joiner has me thinking differently. Also, the joiner seems to be one one of, if not the easiest, of the big woodwork machines to refurbish, given its simplicity. I might disagree with you on that. (laughs) Correct me if I am wrong in this thinking. Okay, I think you're wrong in that thinking. (laughs) Curious to hear your thoughts if you think it's worth my time and effort to buy a used joiner or should I go new? What should I look for if I were to go used? I realize that moving a big machine like an 8-inch joiner will be challenging, but I can easily get some friends together and rent a trailer and get the job done if the cost savings are uh, great enough plus some beer and pizza for all the helpers will help. So when you're doing that, just let me know. And I'll just come for the beer and pizza.
1: Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I really
0: don't want to help, but I do like beer and pizza. So we get asked this question a lot, and it's it's always a tough thing to answer. Um, but he's let's talk specifically about used jointers mm-hmm. for a minute. Yes. Um other than the size, the motor, and the the type of head it has on it, the main difference between a lot of these joiners is just does it doesn't have dovetail ways on the beds? Yeah. Or if it's a parallelogram. What I mean by parallelogram, when you move the beds up and down, they stay the same distance to the to the head.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's yeah.
0: like linkages that move them up and down and you twist something here and twist something there and it you can make them coplanar. Right. Dovetail ways are dovetail ways. They're fixed. You can't really do anything. And what you have to do to get them coplanar, you know, when you're dealing with thousands of an inch, is you have to go buy some brass shim stock yes. and you have to shim these things. And it's a to say it's a process is being nice.
1: I've done uh,
0: it. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. So yeah, have I. Yes, and it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's just a nightmare. It's yeah, just yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, the thing with the parallelogram beds, once you get it set, you can raise and lower those beds all you want, and it's going to come back the way it was before. They very rarely go out of alignment, from what I found anyways. Um, you are going to say something?
1: Yeah. The parallelogram, so the beauty of the parallelogram style jointers, which is sort of the quote-unquote, new technology, but it's probably been around for like two or three decades, um, is the fact that you can individually raise and lower the four corners of each individual bed and get it perfectly open. It's much, much easier.
0: Yeah, it's a hell of a lot easier. Um, That's really the only thing I would look for. If I was going to buy a used one, I would not get one with dovetail ways on the beds. I would go parallelogram. And if you can... And they've been around a, a long enough where I think you can get a 10- a or 12-year-old used jointer with a, a, a helical head.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're,
0: they're out there. And I yeah. definitely go that route because the thing with the helical head on a jointer is that you don't really have to worry about grain direction. You can just put the board on there and go. Um I still look at grain direction, but I don't pay as much attention to it as I used to.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, I, I do still pay attention to grain direction, but but oftentimes uh, I don't pay attention as heavily as I did when I had straight knife cutters on yeah. my joiner. Now, my very my second joiner, so my first joiner was one of those Delta 6-inch. That was terrible um, uh, because it just... I. For the life of me, I tried to shim the whole thing. For the life of me, I couldn't. My second joiner was a star jointer, which is a Chinese copy of a grizzly joiner. And those dovetail ways did not need to be adjusted at all. So me being, you know, not very knowledgeable when I got my first joiner, I actually shimmed everything using uh, aluminum, cut up aluminum cans. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Cut yeah,
0: yeah. up aluminum cans. Yeah, I know what aluminum can is.
1: It, well, yeah. It, I'm making shims out of the aluminum can yeah. sheet. Uh, and and that worked okay. And, I mean, it was fine for what I was doing at the time, which was mostly like small stock and face frame type stuff. Uh, the the Star Joiner, thankfully, the, the Grizzly copy, Chinese copy, which seems kind of odd to say because Grizzly is a Chinese-made Chinese machine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or taiwanese or whatever it is uh that had dovetail ways and was not a problem in fact actually i was looking to get that joiner with a helical head and i ended up not doing that because i was able to find well i ended up getting the um parallelogram the grizzly parallelogram i've Mm -hmm. gone through four jointers in 15 years guy isn't that crazy um Anyway, so just when you're when you're looking at them, I, I would completely agree with you, guy. The parallelogram style joiner is the way to go, and you can find them. I think people tend to hold on to them because they're really good, uh, but you can find them, and they're out there. So yeah, use yeah. I uh, look for I look for a long bed, eight inch. Yeah. Hmm. That's exactly where I would go. Parallelogram.
0: And they, they are out there. I sold mine, oh, gosh, what's it been? Four, no, about five wow. or six years ago. Yeah. I sold it for like a $1,000. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, oh, excuse me, what those things go for now. I do not, I'm not on top of that at
1: all. I think they're somewhere between 1800 and 2000 for the, the Grizzly Jet-type brands. Yeah, yeah.
0: i I you know, I only know what I have used, mm-hmm. so I can I can say that that eight inch parallelogram joiner from Grizzly is a tremendous piece of equipment. It's very inexpensive. It works really well. It's powerful. It, it's a it's a good joiner for the money. We have actually have one of those at work, and when I was still on the floor. You know, I kept. They had one out in the the main production department, but they got rid of it, and I took it into my department, and I used it to do final joining on on boards because it was just it was the best the best joiner in the shop. And uh, now the guy that was in there after me, he took it out of there, and it's sitting in a corner, collecting dust right now.
1: Yeah, so the joiner I had was the G0490X, which was yeah, the parallelogram bed joiner with the spiral cutter head. However, yep. at the time, it was cheaper for me to get the straight knife cutter head. I sold the straight knife cutter head to somebody and then purchased the uh, Bird Sheila cutter head, yeah. and it ended up saving me like $100. Uh, keep in mind, right, that's $100 worth of my time and effort pulling the old head and putting the new head in yeah. which, by the way i cut myself while doing that oh, so i don't know poor babe. 100 bucks <laughs> maybe not worth like getting cut yeah. but anyway it's right now it's oh man it's 2200 bucks and then it's uh 329 dollars if you need it uh freight shipped
0: so, so you know yeah unless you're gonna go to china pick it up yeah. um <laughs> If you're anywhere near Indianapolis, let me know. And uh, maybe I can convince them to at work to sell you that, that joiner we have.
1: They don't use it anymore? Nope.
0: nope. Why? They We've got two 16-inch joiners.
1: Oh. That's a great joiner. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It that is. would be... Yeah. If you're looking for it, man, that's a great steal.
0: Yeah. Anyway. All right. So grab the next one there, we.
1: All right, so this is from Don Richson. Richeson? Richeson. Yeah, I think that's right. Anyway, Don, if I'm butchering your name, I'm sorry. I'm considering a Clearview or a NIDA Cyclone Dust Collector. Two very good choices, Don. I know you have the Clearview Hui. What is your opinion on its performance? I've heard that it's very loud. What do you think? Thanks. Uh, love the performance. I have no complaints. The That sucker, literally in figuratively <laughs> is five horsepower uh, so for my small shop at the most I might have two gates open uh, maybe one main gate open which is a six inch for my jointer planer and uh, I love it 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 does a great job um, it is a little bit of a DIY put together thing I mean you're not putting together this the the cyclone or the um, yeah the cyclone I guess is what you call it it's not uh, it's not plug and play. It's not plug and play. You're going to have to do some uh, probably about two hours, two and a half hours worth of assembly. Uh, And then you got to get it mounted and all that stuff. Uh, Now, in terms of the noise, it's a loud machine. It definitely is a loud machine, but there are some things that you can do to help mitigate the noise. I put a muffler on mine on the exhaust where the uh, fine HEPA filters go through. I put a little, uh, muffler on there and, and don't, I'm not going to explain how it's constructed. You can look up to see how it's constructed. It's constructed very much like how a muffler on your car is constructed. Uh, but I built that myself to put on there. And that actually lowered the sound. And I recorded this based on, you know, my phone app or something by about three DB, which is pretty significant. I think it went from 89 DB to 86 DB. Now in terms of noise, uh, I'm not too concerned about it because my wife was not concerned about it and she was not bothered by it. Let me so ask you so this. When amazing.
0: you're in the shop, do you just turn it on when you walk in and leave it running all day while you're working in the shop? Or do you turn it off? All, you only turn it on when the machines are running.
1: I only turn it on when the machines are running. All right. And when the machines are running, she says that it's about equivalent to the washer and dryer in the laundry room, which is right next to my shop and is the buffer between my shop and my son's bedroom, uh, she says that it sounds like the washer and dryer.
0: Inside like, the house. I'm inside the about, house. I'm asking about inside the shop.
1: Inside the shop, I still wear ear, hearing protection, but it's not so overbearing that um, it, it's more like sort of a, like it's just a drowning noise. It's not like a... Um, it's not an overwhelming noise by any means. Yeah. Uh, and I think the muffler helps with that. You yep. have the Oneida, is it the Dust Deputy? Or the- it's a Dust Gorilla, I
0: think, maybe. It's a portable unit, but it's yep. a three-horsepower uh three-phase motor on it. So it's variable frequency. It's got a VFD, right. a var- variable frequency drive. Right, right, And it automatically measures the static pressure coming into it and adjusts the power of the unit up and down. It's yeah. it's it's a hell of a good dust collector for the money. I mean, yeah. going through a corrugated hose 22 feet, uh, it's almost 700 CFM, which is... Pretty darn yeah. good, um, but it's you know it's it's loud. <laughs> I've got I've got I've got one of the the um, the the automatic switches that when you turn the machine on, it senses the electricity and it turns the dust collector on and off for me, so I I'm never gonna... have to turn it on and off. I just turn the machine on and it it goes on. Yeah, um, that's a very nice feature. Um, but you know. I, Wow. Is your dust collector louder than your daughter?
1: No, that's my son.
0: <laughs> louder than your son?
1: Wow. No. <laughs> my children are loud. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, no, that's it. it's, all
0: right. it's all right. I find it, I find it, I find it quite charming. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, dust collectors are just, that's this nature of the beast. They're loud. One thing yeah. I can't tell you about motors, though, Motors, some motors, these, these are all um, fan cooled motors, is the other thing. So that's yeah. another noise that you have to deal with. And that, uh, be- between the, 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 the cooling of the motor and the actual uh, impeller on the fan spinning, mm-hmm. it really doesn't matter how loud it is, it matters at what frequency it vibrates at.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I've, I've
0: heard some dust collectors at like friends' houses and stuff, Like they turn on, and there's this... It's not that it's loud. It's just, it's annoying. It's mm-hmm. got a really annoying sound to it. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, I know what, exactly what you mean. Mine,
0: yeah. mine doesn't have... It's loud, but it doesn't have that annoying sound.
1: So I know... So, if that so, makes sense. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. So my... Uh, good friend from work, he has a supercell and mm-hmm. he says that that is and he's been to my shop so he knows what my dust collector sounds like. He says that mine is not annoying but that his seems to be of a higher frequency and that that kind of grates him a little bit. And that, and, that, and he said that's the only complaint that, is, that he has with the supercell. Now mind you the supercell is a high volume no low volume high what pressure. is what, high pressure system yes that's what i was looking for yeah so it doesn't have the same cfm but it has a high amount of static pressure correct thank you so
0: um, it, it doesn't move as much air but it it's 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 like having a lot of torque in an engine It doesn't have a lot of horsepower it's got a lot of torque in other words it yes can,
1: it can yeah. pull a house. Yeah. And he, th- he thinks that his is at a higher frequency and that seems to kind of grate on him. If he doesn't have hearing protection on once yeah. he has hearing protection on, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I can, it's kind of like, um, Oh, what is it? Uh, a a a shop back versus mm-hmm. like my dust collector, a yeah. shop back. I can't stand that noise. Like a shop back grates on me. It, it annoys me if I don't have hearing protection on, but like my, my, uh, sh- uh, my dust collector, if I don't have hearing protection on, I'm, I'm okay. I still put it on just to, you know, cause I don't want to damage my hearing, but mm-hmm. it's not terrible.
0: All right.
1: So there you go. Hopefully that helps <laughs> Don. Um, performance wise. I think you can't go wrong either with a clear view or the, the Oneida. Um, but just keep in mind that if you do get a clear view, it's not plug-and-play, whereas the Oneida, I think you just put on like a few bolts for the motor and then assemble the cage if yeah. it's, uh, if it's yeah. a cage system or uh, yeah. if it's wall-mounted.
0: I don't know about the cost. I think the Oneida is more expensive,
1: too. It is, it is. But you also have to consider the materials of the Oneida is... It's um, all
0: steel. And is all
1: steel, you know, yeah. whereas the mounting frame of the Clearview is steel, but the actual frame for the motor is actually made out of HDF
0: coded. Really?
1: HDF. Yeah. It's made out of coded HDF. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you so. go. All right, guy, back to you, man. All
0: right. So this question comes from Larry and he says, Hey guys, thank you for the podcast. I love how quickly you jump right to the questions. So here's mine. I'm building a set of screen doors for a cottage. The doors will be exposed directly to the weather in Quebec. The doors will get a lot of abuse. They will close with a spring and slam frequently. The screen will run the full length of the door. I'm hoping to use a domino for the joinery. So he's got three questions. Mm -hmm. And the three questions are very obvious. What glue should I use? Mm -hmm. What wood should I use? Mm -hmm. And how should I finish the doors? (laughs) So this is kind of like the, the what joiner should I buy question. We get this question a lot. And I took this one just because these are questions that, you know, I've asked myself building some doors and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like to me that these are screen doors, like you said, for your cottage. So these are not going to be high-end doors. If you get, in, in my opinion, if I get five to seven years out of these doors, I'd be happy. I wouldn't worry about that much. I would just make the door frames. I'd probably make the door frames out of mahogany or Mm. even something like white oak. Yeah. Um, Two things that are readily available and just make the frames as straight as I could. I'd make them out of dom, I'd use dominoes. Yeah. And I would just put the screen material in there and be done with it, you know, and, you know, put some finish on it. I would just use like a spar urethane. I wouldn't get fancy at all because they are going to see a lot. They're screen doors, man. They see a lot of abuse. They yeah. get beat up really quickly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you don't put much money in it, it's easy to replace, and right you, don't, you don't feel bad when the kids slam it and break it.
1: Yeah, you keep the construction simple. Yeah, all yep. that. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, what? Uh, so he asked here, what glue should he use? I mean, uh, yeah. type on three. Type, on, type three. on two. Type on three. Type on three. He, type on three. Okay. Um, wood. Uh, I probably would go with, yeah, mahogany or white oak. Yeah, perfect, right there. And there's a lot, of,
0: there's a lot of other options. I mean, you can go cedar, you can go redwood, you can go um, teak.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they're they're screen doors. Yep. I don't know if I'd go teak. Teak is teak's pretty expensive.
0: Teak's pretty can be really expensive. It, it, it just, really expensive. I, I think. Just really depends on how much time and money you want to put into a screen door on a cottage.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And for me, I would just find a good, durable wood. I, you know, probably make like a two, two and a half inch frame on it. Mm-hmm. Probably two and a half inch frame for the hinges, and just you know, a couple dominoes in there. It'll be fine.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Put a center bar in there and to to attach the spring to that the thing closes on and
1: yeah. Yeah. It's Give it a uh, little bit of rigidity in the middle. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I I think you'd be fine with something like that. Do you yeah. have any other suggestions we
1: No, I would, I would keep it with the spar urethane. Um, if you want it painted, just go with a, a tinted conversion varnish. Um, I've heard good things about the Malasi brand, uh, water-based conversion varnish for, um, uh, for outdoor use, but, you know, I have no personal experience with it. I just know that a friend of mine who makes uh, and refinishes out uh, doors specifically uh, uses the Malesi, uh tinted, you know, water-based poly, and then or conversion varnish and the water-based uh, tinted, uh, yeah, conversion varnish to to. Paint. Is it specifically made for outdoor use? Yeah, there's one that's specific for outdoor use. Um, which has the UV inhibitors and whatnot.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. That was a quick one.
1: It was. So it's back to me. And this one is from Monty Milanoch. I think I'm saying that right. I've been doing more and more hand tool woodworking. Another hand tool question. So less and less dust producing activities but I still have occasion to use regular power tools for certain things. I've been striving to get better performance from my roll-around single-stage dust collector with add-on cyclone pre-separator, awesome, and upgrading my handheld power tools to ones with better built-in dust extraction. But there are still operations such as edge cuts on the table saw or with the router that just spew crap everywhere one area I need to probably do better on is wearing some sort of dust, dust mask and or respirator. I've avoided wearing them in the past due to having a beard and knowing that masks get a very poor, if any seal as a result, I'm considering getting something like a trend air shield powered respirator face shield and was wondering if you have any other, any other suggestions. So first off, both guy and I don't have beards. <laughs> I don't know if you I mean, used to. Got a little one. I mean, you got, yeah, you got a little one. Uh, yeah, it takes me about two weeks to uh, to see any uh, to show any sort of facial hair on on me. Uh, I just don't have any facial hair. Uh, if ever ever, I just have like sort of a goatee. I don't grow anything on my cheeks, so I never had that issue of it sealing properly. In fact, actually, my my face mask, my three M face mask. Uh, shields uh, seals pretty well, man, those trend. Um, What do you call them? The trend face shield with the active respirator powered respirator. Oh my goodness. Those are like two, $300, aren't they?
0: Yeah. But you know, what's your health worth?
1: Yes, I got, uh, I see that, but I'm wondering if he could wear maybe a smaller respirator, sort of like the ellipse and then maybe a face shield over top of that. Like, um, Trend does make a just a straight face shield, you know, for like uh, wood turners and whatnot.
0: Yeah.
1: In which case, that might give you enough blockage from the immediate threat of the small particulates in the air. And then, you know, the fact that you don't have that, like a perfect shield, a perfect seal that might be good enough. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know,
0: I, 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 I think. For me, I probably wouldn't go with the, the trend air shield just because I'm cheap and it's, it seems for me anyways it seems a little bit like overkill. I have a I have the 3m one with the replaceable filters and you know you can put the VOC ones on there or the, the particulate filters on there but I also have an ellipse I bought an ellipse not too long ago. And that that thing rocks. I mean, it fits my face really well. Um, it's light. It breathes easy. It feels like I'm breathing easier than than with the the 3M one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that thing. I think it was like thirty dollars, maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, it's about. $30. And um, I again, I can only recommend what I've used. Right. So I've used that, and I, I highly recommend it. it. Depends on how big your beard is. I mean, if you've got the big lumberjack kind of beard, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're you're and, and you want good dust protection. I mean, the 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 Trend Air Shield might be your only option at
1: that point. It it might be now. So or or the-
0: or. or shave that beard off.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's I don't know. I I think he's I think he's he might be a little bit attached to it. All right. So so there's one other option. And it's a full face respirator. Uh, there are a couple different brands, uh 3M and whatnot. And they they range anywhere from about $40 to $60. And so this might be another alternative. Where do, However, they, where do
0: they seal on?
1: They still seal on your face. Well, right here but then the face shield goes around your face so i i don't know if your beard will fit in that it's
0: still not going to help with any particulate though it may prevent something from smacking you in the face but dust in the air it's not going to do anything i yeah, think it's mostly it, concerned with dust
1: it's two seals. So there's a seal yeah. around your nose, but then there's uh, around your face, uh, your mouth and your nose. And I'm doing it right now uh, around because, <laughs> you know, we have to illustrate yeah. it. You guys. Yeah. Listening. yeah. So you can put There's a seal around your nose and your mouth, but then there's the face shield that goes around your face and underneath your chin. So I think the face shield around that might, I don't know. It might, might work, might not, but it might be something worth looking into depending on how much of a beard you have. If you're duck dynasty beard, eh, probably not gonna work. And you might have to go with the with the trend air shield. Yeah. Um yeah so yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah.
0: Those those things really aren't made for people with like as we said, duck dynasty beards. But we yeah. don't know. We don't know.
1: We don't know. Yeah. Anyway Monty check it out, see if that could work for you. If not, I think I think you're kind of limited to the uh, trend air Air, whatever it's called, air shield. Yeah. Um,
0: Uh, Another way to help supplement dust collection in your shop, too, not necessarily dust collection, but the stuff flowing around the air is one of the uh, uh, air filters that go on the wall or on the ceiling of your shop that help circulate the air. And they have HEPA filters
1: in them and they do a real good job.
0: Yeah. So, all right.
1: You got the last one, guy.
0: Yep. And this comes from James Adelot. And thank you, James, for including the phonetic pronunciation of your name. Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, Gentlemen, first, let me thank you for the podcast. I recently summed upon it and you three, well, two, are now my regular company on my daily commute. Thank you. Thank you. I I consider myself a beginner hobbyist woodworker. My shop is the third bay of a three-bay garage. My question is about when is appropriate to use three-quarter inch versus half-inch plywood. Three-quarter inch plywood is so common, I wonder if it is needed as often as it's used. What kind of applications need three-quarter inch plywood, and what are some examples of when half-inch plywood would be sufficient? I know that I'm often guilty of overbuilding projects, as I suspect many woodworkers are, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for any information you can provide, James. So this is a, a really good question. When do okay. I use three-quarter inch plywood? When do I use half inch plywood? And I really like using half-inch plywood whenever I can, mm-hmm. mainly because it it results in lighter things and I don't like moving heavy things around. Well, let's say you're building a cabinet. Sure. Your your side your sides, your your uh, bottom and your top, those are all going to be made out of three-quarters plywood. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, it's just the overall strength and the joinery because you're not using high-end uh, high-end joinery methods to join these cabinets. You might be using just some screws or some biscuits or some dowels and you want to have as much meat as possible yeah. to help encase those things so they don't mm-hmm. break out. Mm -hmm. But a really good place to use half-inch plywood on something like that is the back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, That'll give you a good spot, you know, so you can screw it into the wall. It'll hold the screws well, better than quarter-inch. If you're not using nailers, some people don't use nailers. Um, That's a good use of it. I used half-inch plywood quite a bit when I was building drawers.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't see the need for three-quarter-inch plywood on drawers for shop drawers and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I always Mm -hmm. used half-inch because it just made more sense to me. You know, Mm -hmm. It's it's less expensive. It's easier to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a a good use of three-quarter-inch plywood. What what Mm -hmm. do you think, Lee?
1: Yeah, so for my sides, just like you, sides, bottom, top, I guess you call them nailers or whatever you want to call them because sometimes it's not a solid sheet on the top. Yeah. uh i i'm using three quarter inch on the backs i have used quarter inch backs that slide in with either half inch or three quarter inch nailers yeah which are the stiffeners for the back right it gives it the rigidity
0: well it gives you something to screw that screw the cabinets under the
1: wall yes yes yeah, yeah. um like you said, for drawers half inch all day, I'm not using three quarter inch. Now another thing, a reason why those sides you might want to use three quarter inch over half inch. and I know a lot of folks that or cabinet shops that do use half inch for the for the for the sides. I like to use three quarter inch because it it gives me a little bit more meat for screws when it comes to, uh, hinges and drawer slides. Yeah. I, I just like having that more, that substantial meat behind it. Um, I know you can do it in half inch it just using like a, whatever, three eighths inch screw it. That's just, it just doesn't seem like a lot to me. Mm -hmm. And I prefer a little beefier screw five eighths inch. Yeah, uh, maybe um, what uh, what's size up from five? Whatever size up thirty uh, second. Most
0: up. most most of those screws that come with those hinges and such are, are five eighths inch.
1: Yeah, so I I tend to prefer three quarter inches for those types of uh, hardware for that type of hardware. Uh, I'm trying to think what else i I would use drawer bottoms. I'm using quarter inch UV one. Merch. Yeah.
0: The the thing also we talked about the hardware. If you if you're using like the European style cup hinges, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. those will only go into three quarter inch. That's right. That's right. So I'm trying to think what other I can't think of any other where half inch over quarter inch over three quarter inch. I think that's about it. Drawer bottoms are always quarter inch for me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The the thing with three quarter inch, it's gonna be a lot stronger. Not necessarily it's 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 gonna be less prone to wiggling. I don't know if that's the proper term <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of. But let's say you're building something that's sitting on the floor like a cabinet, uh credenza, you're making it out of out of plywood, not out of solid wood. It's a mm-hmm. inexpensive credenza. And you're making out a like half inch plywood. There's a mm-hmm. chance that when you push the top of it, yeah, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna wiggle a little bit because it's Get not it. it's not rigid enough. Yeah. Um, racking, racking, yeah, yeah, uh, it's gonna rack a little bit easier because like we were talking about before, the 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 hardware doesn't have as much uh, meat to purchase into. Yep. Yep. Um, so those are really the things to look for. I, I, I used you know, when I'm building cabinets for some of that, I'm using three-quarter inch plywood. I just bought everything but the backs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. If I'm yep. making drawers, I'm making out a half-inch plywood with quarter-inch mm-hmm. bottoms. Right. Uh, I just made some cabinets recently, and they were all it was all three-quarter inch material, except right. for the backs.
1: Except for the backs. Yeah. Except same here. Backs. Same here. My backs are always half inch, just yep. because that's the way and my backs are a half inch also if i'm using even like some type of tongue and groove back right uh like solid wood excuse me i I, i'm so i i always do half inch so yeah
0: yeah Yeah. all right i i hope that helps you out james and um what do you got going on the the shop right now you just finished up a project so you got anything new started
1: uh, I'm still working on that china cabinet. You know oh, that. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 I, I think I talked last week or two weeks ago about uh, working on the cove for the mm-hmm. uh, crown molding. I did start, uh, I finished all of the beading. So it's Listel, cove, beading, and then lower Listel. Uh, I just finished all the beading for that. And I won't install it until. I absolutely have to attach it to the cabinet itself. And the cabinet is still in pieces because it's so stinking big. I don't want to have to put it together until I am getting close to finishing everything. So constructing everything, almost done constructing everything, really close. I'm just putting hardware in places that it needs to be. Um, And then we had basically an ice storm this past week. Mm -hmm. And it's been below... Twenty-five degrees in Huntsville. It was it was it
0: was negative decade. negative five when I woke up this morning. Oh
1: my goodness! Yeah, man, well, my, twenty-five my, is like summertime. Yeah, yeah. So I've been dealing with that for like the last four days. Um, we've been we just been inundated with so much ice, and it it won't melt. And you know, we're Huntsville, right? So we don't have any. Salt spreaders, we got no plows, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, we got it's,
0: it's it's the apocalypse.
1: It's the it's literally the apocalypse. So, yep. you know, we haven't been able to use our cars like to go anywhere because I literally can't get out of my driveway.
0: You don't have four wheel drive?
1: I have all wheel drive on my one vehicle, but I still mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I don't I yeah, don't but you're not used to it.
1: I'm not used to it, man. I, I don't I don't feel comfortable getting out of the driveway because I have a little it's not a, it's nothing of a hill. Right. But it, there's an incline and I'm, I'm afraid that once I get down, I ain't coming back up. So yeah. Anyway, so we've been dealing with that. Um, you know, I've had, we, we've lost power for a little bit and, you know, I had to reset some things, the HVAC system, you know, we have heat pumps, right? So below 30 degree below, like 32 degrees, those heat pumps are not working very well, yeah, so below yeah. fifty degrees they don't work well, yeah,
0: so yeah, we, we don't we don't have them up here
1: yeah but uh, but thankfully, I've got gas logs, so I've been running the heck out of that, and so what I typically do is i not that this has anything to do with woodworking, y'all, mm-hmm. but typically I'll run that during the day and get it nice and warm in the house and run the fans from my hvac system and try to circulate all that heat around and it works actually really really well those gas logs are love them so yeah yeah. anyway dealing with weather what have you what have you been up to
0: nothing i still i'm still working on those cabinets i started spraying this weekend yeah i got my my primer and my pigmented Water-based lacquer. And when I ordered, I, I got I got the, the, the cabinet sprayed. Yeah. For the primer anyways. Looks mm-hmm. really nice. Came out nice and flat. That finish it just dries so nice and flat. And then I went to, you know, I opened up the can of the pigmented finish. And I'm stirring. I'm going, man. I was like, My wife picked like this. Really super ugly color. It's it's, it's, it's It was evergreen fog. She
1: doesn't like uh, it. Uh,
0: and it was, well, she picked it out. It's a oh, she morning. likes she, it. She okay. picked it out. Yeah. And it was just, it's just horrid. It's just, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a dark evergreen thing. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to put it in the gun. I'm like, it, uh, I, I, so I said, Judy, come here, take a look at this. And she goes, well, it gets lighter. I said, no, that's what it looks like dry. She goes, well, that's not the right color.
1: Is it not?
0: It's not the right color. Oh no. So we we got the she went to Sherwin Williams. I mean, physically got paint samples and all that, and we got the the number and the we got a color sheet on it and everything, the color and the name. And I sent that off to him, and it says right on the can, it's number. 0913 Evergreen Fog SW for Sherwin Williams. And it's not even close. So I gotta I gotta return that. The only thing yeah. is it's like negative five degrees here. I can't have a chip. You, you can't chip it out. Yeah, because yeah, it'll it has to sit on my porch for you know who knows how long I come home from work, it'll freeze. I don't yeah. know if that's gonna hurt it or not,
1: but I don't know. Well, you know, it's, it's coming from, uh, that stuff's coming from New Jersey, right? So, so you typically, uh, I mean, they, they won't ship if it's freezing either.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even, I haven't even called them yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not like I can email them a picture either. They don't have an email on their address on their website.
1: Oh, that's odd.
0: Yeah. They're old, they're old school, man. Pick up the phone and call us. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which I appreciate. I can get more done in a five minute phone call than sending emails back and forth for two or three days. Yeah. It just drives me nuts. I got people sitting at a desk ten feet away from me, sending me an email, asking me a question. I'm right here. I'm right here. Ask me. <laughs> Ask, me. Ask me. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know. Exactly it's just it's just
0: so silly. It's so silly. Yeah. Millennials. Yeah, Ugh. So, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for the show. And we would like to thank everyone who left us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help us in the search rankings, and of course, we truly appreciate the feedback. So please remember this. Po- remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions you'd like answered, you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DS. D- d-s. DM us through Instagram <laughs> at Woodshop Life. And I can be found at Guy Shop on YouTube. Hui? Yeah.
1: Uh Alabama Woodworker on YouTube. But you can also find me on alabamawoodworker.com because all the links are there. Yeah. So.
0: Just do a Google search on Alabama Woodworker and you'll be greeted with Huy's
1: happy face. <laughs>
0: all right. So, um, and Brian can be found, I think, at home right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hopefully we can, hopefully Brian will come back.
1: Yeah. He, he's had, he's had to have a little bit of a break, but we understand yeah, it. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I'll be having a little bit of a break my baby's about like four weeks out, man.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, I know. Number three. Can you believe Number that? Number
0: three. Yeah. Do you know who the father is?
1: Oh. Ouch. You're a real funny guy. <laughs> Ouch. We get
0: some nasty emails from that one.
1: Oh. All right. I will uh, talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later, man. Bye.